As a church, we've been studying and looking at the life of Jesus Christ through the book of Mark the past couple of months. And if you were with us two weeks ago, it was just this, orm, this normal, ordinary day of the week. And this huge crowd gathered around Jesus in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And it's that same crowd, that same little sermon that Jesus was giving that our story is going to pick up in tonight. And I was thinking about this crowd that had come to, to see and to hear and to be with Jesus and how they came from all over, literally the ancient world. And they came in a variety of different places in their spiritual journey. So some showed up in Mark chapter four, this huge crowd, and some of them had been following Jesus so closely. Others showed up just because they were curious about this man, Jesus, that they didn't really know, but they'd been hearing a lot about. And I kept wondering, like, this moment, have you ever been in a, a concert or, or something kind of like this where, like, it's about to begin and people are talking and chatting and then the person steps up on stage and it's just that moment where the crowd goes quiet, shh. And I can just imagine the crowd, like, shushing each other as Jesus begins to open his mouth. And I was wondering, what did they come expecting Jesus to say to them? Some of them traveled a long way, had cleared their schedules. They knew that Jesus was in their city. I wonder what they showed up expecting him to say. I wonder if they had any expectations at all. I wonder what we've come expecting God to speak into our lives this evening. You know, the reality is that in a room this size, we're all in different places in our spiritual journey, that some of you, as you look at your life, you've been following Jesus closely for 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 years. Some of you this past week, this past month, this past year has just been so rough. You've stumbled into sin that you never thought you'd stumble into. Your faith is being tested like it never has been before. Some of you come here in this place and you don't really know much about God at all. And the beauty is, as a crowd, we come here in a variety of different places with a variety of different expectations. And I love what Jesus does in this moment. He speaks these simple yet beautiful words to the crowds. He speaks them to us. He starts in verse 30 and he says this. Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. And so um, we're going to kind of unpack a lot of the richness and good stuff in these verses, but I want us before we jump in to, to kind of talk about the kingdom of God for a minute. You know, I wonder what this crowd in the first century as they were gathering around Jesus the very first time that he spoke these words, I wonder what they would have thought when they heard of the kingdom of God. I wonder what it would have done in their hearts. I wonder what it would have done in their minds. You know, in our, in our culture, there's just kind of this disconnect when we hear of kingdoms. We don't really talk much about kingdoms. We don't think much about them, right? Unless we're like watching a Disney movie with our kids or like playing Xbox, like kingdoms are something kind of foreign to us. We don't live in a culture of kingdoms and kings and thrones, but you see the people in the first century did. They understood that every kingdom had a king, one who sat on the throne, who had all the power, 
who called all the shots, who led the people into battle, who made decisions, who provided for the people and cared for the people. And I can just imagine as Jesus was speaking this day a couple thousand years ago, the crowd didn't have a hard time picturing a kingdom because they knew what it felt like to live in one. The kingdom of God, Jesus talked about more than anything else. If you're with us back when we started the series, the very first words out of Jesus' mouth when he began his public ministry in Mark chapter one, verse 15, the very first things that he spoke as he began his public ministry were this, the, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. I was talking to Dave this week and he said, do you know that, that Jesus talks more about the kingdom of God than he does anything else in all the gospels? More than baptism or more than the Holy Spirit, more than the church or salvation or grace. The kingdom of God, Jesus talks about over a hundred times in the gospels and it's gonna be this thing that keeps popping up over and over again as we continue our journey through the book of Mark and I go, man, what was it about the kingdom of God that was so important to Jesus? Why was it so important? And I think it's this because the kingdom of God is this great declaration that it's this great reality that God has come down from heaven to earth to reign that the mysterious and, and almighty God has come down in the flesh in the man, Jesus Christ. And he's come not to punish and not to destroy us and not to condemn us and not to further point out how far mankind is from God. No, he's come down to be our king so that we can know what God is like. So we can see what God is like. He's come down to love us, to lead us, to protect us, to defend us. Jesus Christ talked so much about the kingdom of God because it really is the best news for mankind. That God, in all of his power, all of his wisdom, the, the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the creator, the sustainer of life, our friend, our savior, our counselor, he has come down to be our king. And I was reading this this week and it just kind of hit me that, that Jesus knew that the crowd that he was speaking to would have a hard time understanding this about his kingdom. Because the kingdom of God was different than, than the kingdoms that they were used to living in, different than the kingdoms that they were used to observing. And he knows, looking at us 2,000 years later, the difficulty that we have in understanding the kingdom of God. because we can't see it, right? We can't see the kingdom of God. Like, we can't drive over to Belmede and see Jesus' like palace and throne and his army. It's like, Jesus understands that we have a hard time accepting this because we can't see it. But let's just be honest for a minute. The, the truth is much deeper than that. We have a hard time believing that the kingdom of God, that, that Jesus Christ, this truth that he has come to love us, to be near us, to save us, to provide for us and protect us. We have a hard time believing that the kingdom of God is near because there is still so much pain and brokenness in our worlds and in our hearts. And if you haven't got there yet, you will come to this point in your life where you go, man, if God, if Jesus Christ is really all powerful and he's really all knowing, why did my two-year-old daughter get cancer? 
Why do my kids keep running away from God, living rebellious lifestyles? I keep praying, I keep getting on my knees every night, and my kids keep running farther and farther from God. Why did my dad walk out on me as a kid? You see, Jesus understands that, that every single one of us, though all of our, our difficulties and questions are from different places, he understands that every single one of us, we have a hard time understanding the kingdom of God. That Jesus Christ is near, that he loves us. And I love what Jesus does here because he's our savior, he's our king, he's our Lord, but he's also the most brilliant teacher to ever live on the face of the planet. I love what Jesus does here when he speaks about his kingdom. He doesn't give us a bunch of facts and a bunch of bullet points. He instead gives us an illustration of what his kingdom is like. He paints this picture of the way that his beautiful everlasting kingdom works. And so he says this in verse 30. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? He says it's like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all seeds on earth yet when planted it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. I was intrigued this week by the mustard seed, by the beauty of what Jesus is saying. Uh, Jana, one of the women uh, on our staff, she leads volunteers and just this amazing woman of God. Um, she knew that I was talking about mustard seeds this week, and so she brought me a mustard seed that, that she um, brought from India. She went to India about a month ago, and she brought me a mustard seed back. And uh, I would pass it around to you. I had six of these at the start of the day, and I literally, at the nine and the 11, I let people pass it around, and I gave out six and only have one back. And so uh, I don't trust you enough uh, to give you this one mustard seed. So if you want to see it, you can come up and look at the end. Um, I wanted you to hold it in your hands so that you could see, um, but you're just not trustworthy. Well, you're trustworthy, but the 9-11's not, and so they, they ruined it for you. Sorry about that. Um, but I want us to think about like, how brilliant Jesus is, how amazing he is. Like, see, Jesus knew that mustard seeds were something that these people were familiar with. They lived in an agrarian society where many of the people were farmers. They were very familiar with what mustard seeds looked like and felt like, you know. Uh, it's this beautiful picture where Jesus sees this huge crowd coming together and you can just imagine him like walking over in the middle of this field and grabbing this mustard seed. And he says, guys, if you wanna know what my kingdom is like, look at this mustard seed. And I can just imagine them like sitting around scratching their heads like, what? You know, if you could see this little mustard seed, it's about the side of like a little poppy seed, just this little bitty tiny seed that fits in the palm of your hand. You know what stood out to me this week? Uh, about the mustard seed, I, I had these seeds sitting on my desk all week and probably four or five different times. I just picked that bag up and, and looked at it. And, and here's what stood out to me about the mustard seed. How unimpressive they are that there's nothing impressive, there's nothing special about the mustard seed, there's nothing beautiful about them in color, they're, they don't have some cool shape, they're just round and brown and simple. And I was reminded this week as I was reading Mark chapter four that, that a mustard seed was never meant to be something that you just held in your hand and looked at. Like, you know, the farmers in the, the first century knew good and well that 
The mustard seed never reached its potential. It never found its purpose until the mustard seed was put in the ground. And that's where its richness was seen and experienced. I love what Jesus does here. He says the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the love of God, the salvation of Jesus Christ for sinful men and sinful women was never meant to be something that we just sat around and looked at. That the kingdom of God was not meant to be something that we just sat around and observed and and held in the palm of our hands. I was thinking about how too often we've unintentionally done this. That we come into places like this or we sit at coffee shops and we hear about Jesus and we read about Jesus and we think about Jesus. But then we go and we just live the rest of our lives however it is that we want. It's like we'll give God this like little bitty like hour of our time on Sunday. We'll give Jesus just this little bitty like this portion of our lives. And what I was thinking about this week is that we wonder so often why nothing is changing in our lives. We wonder why life with God seems so boring, so lifeless, so unimpressive. And I wonder how many of us like, we come to this place and we're curious about Jesus and we're comfortable simply observing Jesus. And this is what I think the text was speaking into my life this week is that we were never made to just sit around and talk about Jesus. We were made to let his ways and Jesus' words and Jesus' presence and Jesus' realness invade in our lives. We were made not just to hear this great reality that God reigns, but we were made to experience what life is like when Jesus is actually sitting on the throne of your heart. Guys, we were made to, to know Jesus and to love Jesus. We were made to follow Jesus. We were made to, in every moment of our lives, to let him protect us from the enemy. We were made so that he could guide us through the tough decisions and the struggles and the temptations of this life. You see, Jesus Christ has come to reign. And until we let him reign in our lives, he is going to be as unimpressive as a mustard seed sitting in the palm of our hand. But here's the thing. When Jesus Christ, when you and I have the courage and the willingness to let him and his ways and his words and his rule into our lives, the most extraordinary thing happens. You know, even the smallest belief, even the slightest openness to Jesus, and that's where the unpredictable, the inconceivable, the unimaginable happens. Something so small grows and matures into something so big and so beautiful. You can go home tonight and you can Google just pictures of mustard seeds. And what's so cool is that this little bitty seed that like fits in the palm of your hands, when it is planted in the ground, it literally becomes this 12-foot plant. 
And this brown seed turns into something that is yellow and tall and strong and beautiful. And you would never predict that. You would never guess that something like this could turn into something that beautiful. And this is what Jesus is saying in this moment to them and to us. He says, this is the way that the kingdom of God works. This is where faith, where life with God starts for every single one of us that's a follower of Jesus. I think about my life when I started following God. I think about all the people that got baptized like last Wednesday night at the Ryman. And it's just this reality. Think back to to when you became a father of Jesus. Right? Like in that moment, you don't know everything there is to know about God, right? It's like Stoney, when you started following God, you didn't know everything there was to know about God. Start following God. You don't have have every passage of scripture in the Bible memorized. You don't have all your sins and struggles conquered. You don't have all your questions answered. When you start following God, though, the thing that that rests in your heart is that you, you, you know and you trust and your hope is in Jesus. That he's not some hoax and he's not just some concept, but that he's the savior, the only savior. He's the hope for a broken and sinful mankind that he's alive and, and it feels so small, so simple at the time. Just that trust, that love, that little bit that is in your heart. And I kept thinking last Wednesday as people were getting baptized, man, I can't wait to see what, what they're like 10 years from now. Like Alex, Alex got baptized. I go, I can't wait to see what, what Alex is like 15 years from now. The way that her devotion to Jesus, his, her value of Jesus will grow. And I go, this is what happens in every single one of us. That something so small, that small belief and small acceptance turns into something that fills us, changes us. I was intrigued by the detail that Jesus gives us in verse 32 where he says that the mustard seed grows so big that the birds can perch in its branches. You know, this in the Bible, the image of birds nesting in the branches was an allusion to to the people of God, blessing and inviting people who were not included in the people of God to become a part of the people of God. And Jesus is saying here, it's like, it's this great reality that, that you really know Jesus Christ is growing in you when the world starts to become blessed through you. That you know Jesus Christ and devotion to him and love for him. You know that his heart and his ways and his rule is really taking root in your heart when, when the world, when people who are far from God start to become blessed because of your life. And what I love is I was so encouraged by that this week is that Jesus Christ is doing this. And he's doing this through you. And I hope you realize this. I hope that you see this, that this city, this world is being blessed because Jesus Christ is increasing and growing and sitting on the throne of your hearts in our church. 
We saw this last Sunday. As hungry people were fed not just a meal, but were given food for a week and two weeks. And you know why they were given food for, for that much? Because of your generosity. Because of your kindness. Because of Jesus Christ's heart growing in you. So we challenged on everyone on Easter Sunday, hey, could you give above and beyond what you normally give here so that we can just make a, a more beautiful effort to bless the city? And you guys did it. And hungry people were fed last week. And you were a part of it. We saw it last week as lonely people had company for the first time in a long time. It's people who spend all day cooped up in their little one-bedroom apartment. And last week, you showed them that they matter. We saw it last week as schools were painted, yards were landscaped. As toilets and dirty floors were scrubbed, we saw it as meals were cooked for dancers in our city. We saw it as we played with children and danced with people. We saw it in your warm service. I was so just touched last week as I was thinking about how on any given Sunday, like we come here and we will give God an hour and a half of just worship and communion and we'll sit here and listen to the time of teaching. We'll do that for like an hour and a half and it's amazing that we do this. But last Sunday was so powerful as, as I watched as the place I served in the morning, people served for four hours and five hours. And I went over to Edge Hill with my family and I looked and I saw that the people who had been serving there, they didn't just serve for an hour and a half, they'd been serving for four and five and six and seven hours. And you guys did this last week on your day off. Why? Because Jesus Christ and his heart, his ways, they are growing in you and it's beautiful. You see, but it's not just our city that's changing, it's not just our city that's being blessed. I think about Jared and Laura King and their three kids, Sydney and Jade and Gabriel. I think about Whitney Peterson who's on staff with us. She works with our kids and here in a couple of months they're packing their bags and they're, they're moving to Seattle, Washington to plant a church. Leaving their amazing house churches and, and their friends. They're leaving their jobs the great music and food that Nashville offers and they're moving to Seattle. It's like, why? <laughs> Don't anyone want to do that? It's like, because they understand that when Jesus Christ and his ways are growing that the world has to know him. I think about what Dave was telling me about. He went to India a month ago with our team and several of you guys got to go and be a part of that and he was telling me how it's so interesting because there's this hostility, this hatred in India, kind of where our churches are planted, especially kind of towards the Christians. So there are all these like different religions that are like kind of in Eastern India. And that there's this like weird tension because although the, the Christians are hated, that India is getting better because of the Christians there. 
And so they live in this world where um, their sons and daughters, like, I don't even know if you guys know this or not, but because of your generosity, like we built a school over there several years ago and these little um, Hindu and Islamic and Christian children are being taught to read and write. They're being taught a trade. One of the things that I learned is that in Eastern India, one of the just saddest tragedies is that so often these children, uh, they can't read, they can't write, they are left to, to leave home to find a job and so they'll go into the city and someone will offer them a job and, or a job that they perceive it to be and so they'll, they'll go with them and what's actually happening is that they're getting kidnapped and sold into sex slavery. This happens all the time. And because of your heart and your generosity, like the landscape of India is changing as these little kids are given options, like kids that you and I will never see. The world is being blessed. Because Jesus Christ and his heart is growing in his people. This is where I want to end tonight. Jesus looked at this crowd and he knew exactly the message that could speak into every single person's situation. He looked at this crowd and he knew that there were people that had been following him. He knew that there were people who were just curious about him. And he says, if you, no matter where you are, no matter how far you've run or what you've done, if you will let the kingdom of God, if you will let Jesus Christ into your life, no matter what you've done, this is what will happen. A little faith, a little courage, a little willingness just to give Jesus a try and your life will be changed. And although you can't see it now, maybe you can't even picture a life different than the one that you're living right now, a life where Jesus sits on the throne of your heart, where, where you care about other people more than you care about yourself, a life where, where you don't live always thinking about yourself, but how you can bless other people. And I go, this is what happens when the mustard seed takes root in our heart, when the kingdom of God, when Jesus Christ gets into our lives. The word planted in verse 32, I think is a key word in all this. It's a word that stood out to me all week that I've just found to be so beautiful and powerful. And when you think about planting a garden, I don't know if any of you guys are um, into gardening. It's, but when you plant something, there's this idea of you remove something and then you replace it and then you cover it up. And so if you're planting a tomato or squash or whatever it is that you're planting, you, you remove some dirt and then you, you put the tomato plant there and then you cover it back up with dirt. It's simple. And for those of you who are not believers and followers of Jesus, I want to just invite you in the most genuine way I can tonight. With all the love and all the kindness in my heart to you, I just want to ask you, are there things in your life? Are there things in your heart that need to be removed, that are keeping you from Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that as a jerk. I'm just, I'm honestly just asking, like before I started following God, I go, man, there were things in my life, like that there was some dirt that needed to be removed. I go, is it, is it doubt? Is it cynicism? Is it fear? Is it not knowing all the answers? What is blocking the kingdom of God from your heart? What is blocking Jesus Christ and his words and his ways from flooding your life? 
And I just want to invite you tonight to open your hearts to Jesus. Will you accept, even if it's in the smallest places in your heart, that maybe there is a God that that does exist? Will you entertain the, the thought that maybe there is a man named Jesus Christ and maybe he did come and die and maybe he did come back from from death three days later. And maybe he really is coming back for me. And maybe every time I do pray, maybe he really does hear me. Would you let your heart be open to Jesus? And some of you, you aren't followers of Jesus yet, but you've been coming here and he has just been doing this great pursuit of your heart and you come here tonight and you go, man, he's, he's removed the, the doubt and, and he's, he's like giving me, he's like replacing it with this desire to know him. I wanna invite you to let him finish the process. Would you let him in fully? Would you let him cover you with his grace? So in the same way that dirt is put back over the plant, would you give your life tonight to Jesus in baptism? Letting him cover you with water. Water is just symbolic of his grace, his forgiveness, his, his righteousness. Life with God doesn't just start on historic epic nights at the Ryman. Your life with God can start tonight. And here in just a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to worship. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you have questions, no matter where you are, if if you want to talk or pray, there'll be some men and women up front. And we'd love to help you however we can. Love to take you for coffee this week or do whatever we can because we really believe. We really believe in Jesus. Your life is better with him in it. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, I want to invite you to do, to do two things. The first thing is this. I want to invite you as you take communion with whoever it is that you came with tonight. Maybe you came with yourself and, um, and you can take it by yourself. That's totally cool. Um, I want to invite you to look back over your life and just to observe the growth of the kingdom of God in your life. I want you to think about what your life was like when you first started walking with God, when the mustard seed was all that you had. I want you to think about where you are now. Earlier this week, my wife and my kids, they went to visit um, my wife's sister over in Savannah, Tennessee, in the southwest corner. And I was, um, I just missed them. Like on Tuesday night, I was right before bed, I was just about to fall asleep and I was just thinking about them, how much I missed them. And I pulled out my phone and I just started scrolling through the pictures. I don't know if you ever do that. You're just kind of bored. And so you just start scrolling through pictures. And and I started looking at pictures of my family. I started looking at pictures of Finley, my two and a half year old little girl. Picture of her last week, her and Jones riding on their little tricycle together and scroll a little bit more. And I see this just amazing picture of them in the bathtub, just splashing and smiling scroll a little bit more and it's the first time that, that Finley held Jones, the hospital. Kept scrolling and it was uh, Finley like crawling for the first time and scroll a little bit further and there's a picture of the very first time that I held her and what hit me this week as I was looking at those pictures is that so often it's so hard to see growth in real time. 
And only when you look back can you see how far you've come. And so I want to invite you to, to look at your life and to see what you were like when you first started following God. Like, what did you care about? What did you live for? What did you know about God? And then look at how different you are now. Maybe you're not a 12-foot plant yet, but you're most definitely not a mustard seed anymore. And look at the growth that God has done and brought about in your life. And the second thing I want to invite you to do tonight, first things to reflect. The second thing is I want you to think about how God is inviting you this week to bless this city for his glory. And so for some of you, the question is who? Who do you just simply need to invite to, to come here and to worship and to experience this? Like, or maybe you don't need to invite someone here. Who is it that you need to invite over to dinner? What coworker? What neighbor? Who do you need to bless? For some of you, the question isn't who, but it's what. What is it that God is inviting you into? Others of you, the question is where? Where is he inviting you to go, to live, to move, to be? As a people of God, as God's chosen and special and dearly loved children, may the world be blessed through us, not because we're so good, but because of how the goodness of Jesus Christ is being formed and growing in us. Let's pray.